Hello and welcome again to the Marlene Ellis, the Hattrick Copywriter podcast. And today we're going to talk about something very different. It might last a little bit longer than 15 minutes, so I'm warning you, because it's a tricky conversation about the recent resignation of Cressida Dick, the um, outgoing Met Police Officer Commissioner. Um, yeah, so I want to sort of wade into the discussion a little bit and walk a tricky path. I'm speaking as an ex-police officer. officer. For those that don't know, I was a, my very first job in my life was as a Metropolitan Police Officer. Um, I became the first black woman sergeant in the Met before I saw that my path was destined to be something different. So... In a way, I've, you know, I've, I've continued always to be concerned about um, justice and rights and equality and, and why I ended up in teaching rather than policing. Um, but that's another story. So, but I do have some views around this resignation. Cressida Dick, I've, certainly I don't really feel that I should support her, defend her in any way, um, but nor do I feel that she should be demonised in a particular way. The question is, does it make any difference that she's resigned? You know, is this going to change anything that we've looked at her conduct? And is it that this commissioner's conduct is any worse than anybody else's, any previous commissioner's? And, you know, I was thinking um, there are, you know, inevitably, whether you're a, a leader, prime minister, you know, leading an organisation, you're going to preside over some difficult things during your term by the nature of your work. And probably every single commissioner has been embarrassed about some of the conduct that's occurred under their reign. And we can certainly, you know, if I had time, we could go through a few. But I might think um, what comes to mind, given this unites both these commissioners, Cressida Dick is, and um, Commissioner Ian Blair. Do you remember him? He took over the inquiry he came in at the beginning um, of the, the murder of Charles de Mendes, of which we, we, know, we know it's well documented that Cressida Dick was the operations officer who made the bad decision to go forward and cause the murder of Charles de Mendes. OK, we, we understand that. But we also know that that was the beginning of the commissioner in Blair's reign, where he, um, he actually stunted the investigation. For, for several days and this was said by the independent police um, complaints commission that that commissioner ian blair directly um, obstructed them to prevent the, the ipcc from interviewing the police officers as quickly as they needed to to get the evidence and they said that it gave those officers the the, the time to come together get their stories you know whatever way, and present their evidence the way they presented it. Now, that was the IPCC publicly saying that the commissioner, Ian Blair, openly obstructed them from that investigation. Can you imagine what that says? I mean, it goes to intent. It goes to, um, could it go to criminal liability if it was somebody else? So so I that was the beginning of his tenure. And I was thinking, um, I noticed that the, the death of Sarah Everard was was a particular 
stressful moment in the country. Sarah Everard, there's no murder, no rape. There's no, there's no body that deserves to be raped and murdered. So let's get that clear, no matter who you are. But this was particularly shocking. And why was it shocking? Two things. One, she was murdered by an active police officer who's sworn to uphold and protect, not a new police officer, by any stretch of the imagination, was a diplomat, um, was in the Kent Constabulary. So there in itself was a shock. Police, we, we go to the police if you need help, and, and suddenly, no, this police officer raped and strangled Sarah Everard. And then we've got also, who was Sarah Everard? Well, Sarah was somebody quite different from the kind of usual stereotype of people that are poor, disenfranchised, that are more vulnerable to, to um, being victims of crime. Sarah was a middle-class who young woman, her future ahead of her, had studied at Durham University, a really a white middle-class woman um, that this country would surely understand as the epitome of who they often prioritise as the future representation of white England, can we say. Um, and here we had um, the, the police officer who murdered her, working class white policeman murdering a white middle class young woman in Clapham Common, a very middle class affluent area. So surely all these things converge to be absolutely shocking and contrary to what normally happens when, when we expect to hear stories about crime in deprived areas, ethnic minorities and the rest of it suddenly we saw the complete reversal of what we would expect to um, find. And there was an absolute outrage. And of course, things didn't get better with the, um, the vigil and the way that people were treated um, by police. But clearly, you know, the anger was directed at, hang on, police, you're supposed to represent us. And worst of all, this happened when the Metropolitan Police was being led by a white middle-class woman. I mean, if ever that is, you know, an act of disloyalty, you've allowed one of our own to be murdered by one of your own, and you're one of us. That's what I think happened that caused the whole country to be like, what? What? And can Dame Cressida Dick ever be forgiven for that absolute betrayal? I don't think so. I don't think there's anything she could actually have said to have really placated white middle-class England for that situation. And I know there were other situations, there were other things, they've got the police officers who felt entitled to um, um, to voyeuristic and, and uh, send images of those young black women, of, of dead uh, black women and then ultimately we have this Charing Cross uh, police station thing where police officers are caught saying uh, sexist and racist um, comments. So is this, I mean I'm, there was one officer, not officer but um, let me just think of his name, I'll come to his name in a second but he said that the Sarah Everard murder was the worst moment in the 
metropolitan history of 192 years. That was described as the worst. And maybe it, maybe it is. I mean, it's not for me to judge. But I just wondered why, how you get to measure that kind of thing. How, how do we decide of all the atrocities that have happened? The Guardian reported shortly after that 15 serving or former police officers have killed women in the UK since 2009. What do we think of those other 15 women? You know, what, what, what's those circumstances that make it really different to Sarah Everard? Why, why do we experience this as the worst moment, if in fact we do? And there were other moments with Ian Blair. Um, do you remember that case of those two young girls, um, the Soham murders? It's a double child murder committed in Cambridgeshire, Soham, Cambridgeshire in 2002. Two 10-year-old girls, Holly Mary Wells and Jessica Amy Chapman, they were lured into a home of a local resident and school caretaker. Do you remember Ian Kevin Huntley? And killed them, disposed of their bodies. And this was also a moment in the country where we stopped still with the shock of these two young girls, 10-year-olds by this Huntley. Now, admittedly, Huntley wasn't a uh, serving police officer, okay? But Blair came out with something shocking during that time. Do you remember Commissioner Ian Blair telling us that he couldn't understand? He said something like almost everybody couldn't understand why there was so much attention on, the, on this murder, on the Soa murder. Almost nobody could understand, to quote him. And, and that's all, that was reported in The Guardian around, you know, during that time. So, 2008 time. So, you know, it's very difficult, isn't it, to, to decide in these gruesome murders, which is the worst moment. And it's also very difficult to decide, you know, this idea of who's the worst commissioner. And my concern is that one of the complaints around the Charing Cross station is that police use the language of misogyny. And honestly, as an ex-police officer for 12 years, a long time ago, but truly there is nothing shocking that the police use the language of racism and misogyny. And if we're honest, we're not surprised because, you know, there's never been a period where we haven't heard about the, the aggression of the police, in relation, especially in relation to racism, but also in gender. I mean, I think we've got to stop pretending that we're shocked. Then, then that raises the question, if we're not really shocked, well, what are we doing? Are we performing the shockness? Police officers said these terrible things. And look how awful Cressida Dick is, because she's failed to do anything about it. For a start, two of those officers got promoted. But if Cressida Dick herself got promoted after she was involved in the decision of the Charles de Mendes case. How did she become commissioner? A lot of police officers got promoted that were involved in the operation of Charles de Mendes. You know, I've told you, the Commissioner Blair, he was allowed to continue. He was the beginning of his reign when he openly obstructed the investigation of the IPCC. So what are we saying here? I, first of all, I want to suggest 
that if we go to resist the idea that Cressida Dick is any worse than any other commissioner, but because of the moments of this unusual profile of Sarah Everard with the police officer, this race and class thing coming into play. And then this, at the very moment when Cressida Dick, the first woman, that we might think, ah, oh, we're going, she's going to challenge these things, this occurring under her leadership. So I'm trying to suggest that just as she is implicated uh, Dame Cressida Dick as being a part of the institutional framework that allows each commissioner to come in and go out in a very mundane way. Quite honestly, the servants of the Home Secretary largely and nothing else. So we have to resist the butt of misogyny at this moment as well. She is the first woman. She's the first lesbian woman. I don't know what that means for her, the people under her, how they feel about working as a leader who's a white lesbian. I don't know how those policemen are feeling about that. Is it not likely that she's also the victim of misogyny in this game we're playing of shock and horror that policemen are racist and misogynists? If it is a performance of some sort, what is really going on behind the scenes? Why did Sadiq Khan suddenly uh, change his mind? And why did he publicly, you know, say he disapproves of her? You know, he's been seen as a sort of a, a, a you know, a, 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 taking a new route, you know, standing up for these issues. And really, you know, the first time he's going to expose a commissioner. But really, was it necessary to expose her like that publicly, to decide to do that and not do that in the normal, respectful way. Was he really making a stand? Because has his stand been any greater in support of racism and sexism and the rest of it? Have the other commissioners be, really been so much better at fighting these issues than Cressida Dick? And I want to suggest they're basically all the same. I, I certainly am not defending Cressida Dick, but I am saying let's resist a, a particular demonization of her. I don't think her, herself as a human being is probably any worse than anybody else. I suspect she's a better human being probably than the likes of, say, the Home Secretary, Priti Patel, who's had, who had 215 complaints, I think, from civil servant staff against her for bullying. So the, the question is, who is leading who here? What happens when you have, the Home Secretary is in charge, really selects the, the Met Police Commissioner. It is not the London Mayor, even if they do have a say in the matter. So let's be clear, we've got a Prime Minister who doesn't want to resign for his bad behaviour, We've got a Home Secretary who's an overt bully, who's had to apologise. And 215? I mean, not even two or three complaints? Um, not to mention her description of taking the knee as gesture politics. And even if, it, even if she's right, even if, say, it is gesture politics, couldn't she have said a bit more, something more supportive than that? And we won't even discuss the fact that whilst we're concerned about the police and the, their corruption and their dishonesty, it's the Home Secretary that's planning to introduce stronger laws to prevent protests, public protests. So is there any point 
in focusing on any particular commissioner or in the behaviour of the police, if you do not direct the real focus on those that have control of, over them and set the standards by which they might follow. Currently, that is Boris Johnson as our Prime Minister and the Home Secretary in the more med immediate sense in Priti Patel. I mean, one of the things I, I saw in the, um, the, com the comments that one of the police officers made in the Charing Cross inquiry was a, a statement that said, grab her by the pee. Now, we know that that's an infamous statement now, made famous by Donald Trump. Another kind of leader of the free world, shall we say, in loose terms. So it's clear where they are influenced. The UK is influenced by the US. It follows the US in every foreign policy decision made. And then we've got in our line, our prime minister and our home secretary. It is, it is absolutely pointless to put pressure on the police and pressure on Sadiq Khan, the weakest link of the whole thing, if you don't focus on the real issue. And that's the social structure that allows that to happen, not the players within it. So I, I think that we really ought to, if there's really going to be a concentration of anything, I think we should accept that probably Gresadidic is probably a, a decent person who's, as usual, low-level informed about the real social issues that occur across ethnic minority, gender, sexuality, disability, and all the other issues, because that's the type of person that gets promoted. And, and so, of course, and don't expect the person that's going to replace Gresadidic to be any more effective than Gresadidic. They are there to be the servants, ultimately, to the Home Secretary and the Prime Minister. So, so that's what I would say about this moment, that we should resist focusing on Cressida Dick. We should resist being shocked, saying we're shocked that the police are saying these terrible things. And we should accept that unless we focus on the source of the, the place that creates this kind of environment, this culture, then we'll be wasting an awful lot of energy just attacking the police, whether we think the police should be made more powerless or not, whether we should reduce funds, whatever we think should be done with the police is not going to come from focusing on the mayor or the, um, or the police commissioner. And we should also be aware that Ian Blair, uh, I think he was the commissioner under the uh, leadership of Tony Blair. So it's not even about which political party it is. It, it's really about that social structure. I certainly think the Home Secretary should stand down. If, it, if this is an embarrassment and a shame for the, you know, the behaviour of the police, what is the commissioner there to do? I'm also wonder about the, the timing, why now? And I can't help thinking that the, this serves the interests of the Prime Minister more than anybody else because he was under investigation for the parties being held during the pandemic, going against his own uh, regulations. And so 
I think it probably serves him more than anybody else that this investigation is what? Sort of on hold until we get the new commissioner because the commissioner might give a particular direction about where he wants or she wants that investigation to go. And I don't know whether we should ignore the fact that Sajid Javid's brother is a deputy commissioner of the Met Police who's leading this inquiry. So, you know, we might say in this day and age, it's about changing the algorithm of the selection process and that selection process points directly to the Home Secretary. How did the Home Secretary get selected? What was the Home Secretary's skills for leading police forces in this country? You know, it's a political posting, but really, is it enough? If Do we have the right Home Secretary in place? And should we not think much more about the skills that are required to be a Home Secretary if we're to really focus on serving the interests of the nation and not just serving the very, very narrow interests of protecting anybody's Prime Minister. So that's where I am very seriously having this conversation. And, um, and there is one other thing I've got to tell you. I want to remind you, I've got this wonderful webinar coming up on the 9th of March where um, I've got four amazing black women talking about their experiences of breast cancer from their perspectives. There are different perspectives, so it's going to be an empowering discussion. There'll be an opportunity for you to ask questions. And it really is about let's grow with more confidence about how we take care of each other and really get into what we think is the best way forward when we're trying to really save lives in this awful disease, black breast cancer. So please look us up, look up, go to www.blackbreastcancer.com or info at blackbreastcancer.com or Eventbrite's Black Breast Cancer, The Voices of Experience. Sign up and join me for this really important discussion for the 9th of March. It's during International Women's Week between 6pm and 9pm. That's it for me this week and I'll speak to you again next week. Okay, take care and have a beautiful week. Bye-bye.